What do I say every Tuesday when this music plays? We did it! Everybody, it is Riley's Cantina here at the Good People Association. Our home in Burbank. Studios, that is. Burbank Studios is so good to have you here, and thank you for making the Good People Association a part of your day. A little bit of housekeeping up top. Sorry about missing last week. California Pizza Kitchen was a fine time in my life as a waiter. I met Christian Harloff there. I met Brett. I met uh, the Flurgenflaus there. And uh, I loved my time at California Pizza Kitchen. However, I did not love the food poisoning I got from California Pizza Kitchen last week when I missed Riley's Cantina. And Emma Fife was going to be here, of all people. She'll be back in two weeks. Uh, up top, go to the GPA.fun. That's our membership program there. You can go check it out. Go look at the merch. You'll see it on the two-shot coming up. We got hats. We got beanies. We got glasses. We got shirts. We got stickers. We got so much over there. Go to the GPA.fun. Join the membership. We have another hang coming up. Special events, special behind-the-scenes hangs, all that kind of good stuff. Look at that merch up there right now. Find the good. Be good people. Get that hoodie. Get that positivity report. Mug and all that kind of good stuff. Make sure you're here tomorrow for another 9 a.m. Positivity Report live with Josh McCuga. We are going there. And then, of course, we have a Twitch stream tomorrow from 12 to 2. We're doing something special. Check that out. You can find us all here on our YouTube channel and at the GPA.fun. So with that being said, I have somebody very special in studio. I want to give this a little bit of time, a little bit of room, because this person is a son of a bitch. No, I'm kidding. He's a, one of my favorite people. He's one of my dear friends. You know him as the boss. He is from the movie trivia Schmodown. He has the action guys with Andrew Guy, who was on a couple of weeks ago. It is Ben Bateman here in studio, my former partner and my friend. How are you, dude? What's going on, pal? Uh, good to see you, man. Good to see you. I'm, I'm glad to have you. I love starting with the, uh, you know, you're a son of a bitch and all, because you're not. You're a good man. You're a hell of a movie trivia schmodown competitor. I miss, <laughs> I do miss competing with you. How are things? Let's start up top, everybody. Uh, welcome in Ben Bateman, the boss into studio. Welcome to Riley's Cantina. This is really nice, man. You guys did a great job with this. Thank I've, you. I've seen pictures. I've seen, uh, you know, videos, but I haven't actually been here yet. And uh, I'm glad to have you here finally, man. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm that proud pandemic, man, has been such a son of a bitch and it's still going. So everybody just be safe out there. Uh, Delta variant, big, big time. Look out for it. Go check out, go talk to your doctors. If you're a little, uh, uh, hesitant on the vaccines, I don't want to just push. I said it last week, get vaccinated, get a vaccine. Go, go talk to people. That's all I'll say. Learn, grow, love, be safe. Yeah. I mean, how are you? You're vaccinated. We're here together. Finally, man. I haven't seen you in... How long has it been? I mean, have we not seen each other the entire pandemic? Is that true? That's true. We haven't seen each other once in person? We've talked on the phone a lot, digital. Yeah, we did a lot of digital. We did a lot of phone calls. We did it, uh, We did some matches Yeah, together. digital matches. Digital matches together, yep. but we never saw each other in person. Look yeah, that, it's man. good to see you, man. I, see I guess you. it's been, I guess it must have been uh, uh, sometime at, at Collider, a taping probably. Taping. So the way it goes, December 2019. We do the downtown schmodown, right? We do, the, yeah. That's the spectacular big event. You get your, you get your belt. Yeah, I got the title. Yep, yep. Uh, I was off the side. We're doing Collider. Then we're still continuing to go. I'm driving into Collider January second, twenty twenty. I lose my job. Yep. Pandemic starts February, March. 
That was, yeah, I think it was, uh, I, I literally think it, think it was at that spectacular. No, I think or, it was, I think it might have been the final taping because you and I played in studio, remember? We had, we had oh, one. Oh, that's match, right. And oh, I think we might have yeah. taped it like the, I know the final taping. That's right, because our five pointer was contagious. Yes. And it had already started. Shit. I think it was two weeks before the whole thing fell apart. So I think the probably the last time I saw you was then, which would have been right at the end of February or the beginning of. Uh, I'll bet you it was like fe- February 14th. In fact, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was like a Valentine's Day weekend taping. That's right. I'm pretty sure. And we played Guy and McQueenie. Uh, no. no. We lost them or we played Odd Couple. We played Odd Couple and won. But yes. then we did do a taping with McQueenie and, uh, and that Guy. Was, so that might have been. Or was no, that, that was the previous year. That was previous, that was year. previous we, year. What happened, and this is what I can tell you. This is what I know. Holy shit. It was, it was Valentine's Day weekend because I remember distinctly uh, Roxy and I were dating still, and we okay. and we went to studio and we had to play Odd Couple, and so we were doing and so we were playing against her squad. That's right. And so and so it was like a it, it was one of these things where it was like one of us was not going to be in a great mood <laughs> at the end of it to try to go out to dinner. I recall I recall this. Uh, that was the last time I think I saw you was that weekend. Okay, yeah. that's it, man. Wow, it's been a, a hell of a year. It's been a hell of a time. Uh, I'm just glad to have my friend back here. And, um, you know, how are things otherwise? You know, Movie Trivia Schmodown, your own channel. Tell me, though, the real thing I really want to talk about and, and, and have everybody and have you share for everybody, your music stuff, man, is phenomenal. Thank you. I'm Thank enjoying you the hell out of it. Um, I, I, I love that you're putting um, your, your music out there. You made a video. You have a tour coming out. Tell uh, a little bit about that so people can know where to find you and whatnot. And we'll do it again at the end, everybody. But if you don't know, the Good People Association brings good people in. Ben Bayman might be a hell of a movie trivia player, but he's, a, <laughs> I think, a better musician and singer. Come I appreciate now. it. No, look, I, um, I I started playing music when I was a little kid. Like yeah. I was uh, 12 years old. And then I did it for a lot of years. And then I stopped. And yeah. I took about seven years off. And so from about 2014 to about 2020, I didn't play music at all. I had, I just was not something I was doing. Right. And uh, I decided right around the early part of the pandemic that I was going to write some songs. And so I did. I wrote an album and I started producing it. And um, I put out the first song, Sorry for Tonight. Their video came out, what, eight days ago now? Yeah. Um, And uh, Sorry for Tonight. I remember you telling me I was at the driving range. Yeah. And I was going through some rough things and I would talk to my boy and I would talk to you and I'd be Mm -hmm. like, you know, this, this, but whatever it may be. And you went, I'm getting ready to release a song. I think it, I think you might like it. Yeah. And you sent it to me, and I remember this. And I listened to it, and I was like at the driving range going, son of a bitch. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, you son of a god. So, yeah, it's, it's well done, man. It, it, it was great. I love seeing that. I love seeing what people do outside of what a lot of people might know us for, movie trivia. Well, you know, it's – but – we're more than that, and and Ben Bateman, you're showing that, so that's great. I appreciate it. Yeah, so the the first song was received well. I'm putting out an album. An EP comes out on the second of December. Nice. Uh, I'm playing an LA show to cap off the tour. There's two of them. There's that one, and then there was this big show at the Mint with a bunch of you know David B and other yeah, David people. B. And uh, should be really fun. And uh, I hit the road on August 27th. I open the nice. tour in Denver. Uh, oh my God! The second show is Austin, which is two days later, which will be real. That's, that's Halloween weekend. That's going to be a really fun one. The third one's in Orlando. Then I'm back here for a little bit. Then that's I hit awesome. Boston, New York, Nashville, Columbus, and Chicago. Nice. Then I go back, and then I do Seattle, San Francisco, and uh, yeah, it's going to be 12, 12 dates, including the LA ones. And it's one of these passion projects. I'm just like totally putting it out there, and I'm hoping it, it works. And I'm and I'm booking all of the sites myself and everything. So if you uh, 
If anybody here has heard the song and you've considered buying a ticket and you haven't already, go to benbateman2021tour.com. Get a ticket. I will shout you out on air if you buy one right now, uh, and I would love to see you there. I'm really looking forward to it. There you go. Ben Bateman, what is it? BenBateman2021tour.com. BenBateman2021tour.com. Right? I got that right? That's the one. Uh, if you go there now and if you jump in the chat and say that you got a ticket, we'll shout you out there. Matt the Beard Man in here with the super chat. Hey, GPA, so excited. Cantina is back this week. Love both of you guys. Ben, I have been a silent fan of you and the action guys for quite some Aww, time. Thank you. Now, Matt, thank you for that. Super chats, you guys, always welcome. If you do have some questions for me and Ben about any of the topics we're talking about here on Riley's Cantina, anything you want to talk about outside of movies, you want to talk about a little bit of who's the boss action, whatever it may be, streamlabs.com slash goodpeople.com. GPA, you can get them in there. That's our Streamlabs. I have it open right now. A portion of all donations, Super Chat and Streamlabs do go to charities. We're going to be announcing some very soon, but it helps keep the lights on. You know how it goes, guys. You know what it's like here. So thank you always for everybody that comes in here and just maybe hits that like button or watches this video. It helps immensely. So with that being said, do like this video. Do drop in a comment. It helps things, uh, you know, move things through like fiber through a body. And uh, we really appreciate it here. So let's get to it. Uh, I want to go to the big topic at hand, which is the Suicide Squad. And I want to mention right now, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the Suicide Squad 2021's version, the faux sequel, the whatever they may call it in the DC universe by James Gunn, director uh, so spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Big time. You've been warned. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the box office numbers. We're going to talk about a few things within that movie, review it, all that good stuff. So you've been warned, right? Bird. Ikaika. Brilliant. Bird. That was one of the most brilliant drops ever. Ikaika, the Hawaiian hunk, is also here. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm a little hungry. You're hungry. Nom. How's the... <laughs> Do it again. Num? Yep, down numb. <laughs> we are doing a weight challenge here. Oh. The boys are. Ikaika, Josh, and Ken are doing a weight loss challenge. I have not been invited because, oh. as they told me, I was too svelte. Oh. I'm actually within five pounds of my ideal weight, I would say. Wow. I should join I should join the weight loss yeah. challenge. It would be, it'd be good for me. <laughs> so they're they're going through, they can't eat. So when you brought in those amazing yeah. macaroons. Yeah, they're incredible. Ikaika, I'm proud of you, man. Num, Ikaika num. turned it down. He went, no, I can't. It's hard to do. It's a hard thing to do to turn those things down. They're very good. They're colorful. Yeah. They're delicious. They're delicious. They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know what was delicious was my l absolute love of Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. I love this movie so much. I was, I watched it at home. I didn't go uh, to the theaters because um, another announcement, I guess I'll, I'll just throw offhand here uh, because I've been keeping it kind of bottled up here. Uh, my mother was and is fighting cancer. Uh, she had an operation on Thursday of last week to remove something. And the doctors have reported that they got it all and that right now she is all clear. So I want to thank everybody for just the patience they've had with me, you know, not showing up sometimes, being silent on social media, all these different things that go on. Uh, I've been taking care of my mom, making sure her 87 animals are fed while she is uh, recovering. <laughs> uh, these animals do eat, I've said it many times, do eat better than I did growing up. Uh, but it looks like we beat it all. We got all the cancer out. She's recovering right now. In fact, she's texting me right now wondering if the dogs were fed. Uh, they haven't been fed yet, Mom. I will get there once the show is over. Does she but watch the show? 
No. <laughs> so she doesn't know. She does. You're yelling into the void. I got I'm you. yelling into yeah. the void. But I appreciate everybody's support on this. And because of the, uh, the dealings with this, and I'm taking care of my mother who is at home, I opted to stay behind my TV screen and watch the Suicide Squad on the biggest screen I could find at the house. Watched it literally sitting in my chair, Ben. I was screaming (laughs) through this movie. Uh, There was nobody with me, and it was just, it was just one of those moments that I've had just nobody with me. Nobody in the, it was at my my mom's place, but I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. What did you think about it? I had the same feeling, honestly. Um, I was so excited to watch this movie, you know, knowing that it was going to be almost impossible for it to disappoint compared to the first one. Yeah. The first one's such a bad movie. Uh, it's just so, it's such a disappointing film. Yeah. And they brought back one of the best things about the first one, obviously, which was Harley. You know, uh, Yeah, Harley. Yeah. You know, Margot Robbie's Harley is really excellent. And I love James Gunn. And I felt like this movie, uh, it overperformed for me from what I expected. But yep. I think more than anything, and, and you know, it, one thing that I think is really interesting is, is like pundits or whatever on, on Twitter. Sometimes we walk out of a movie and you have that initial thought, mm-hmm. your first reaction, yep. and you want to put it up on Twitter. And yeah. if you don't overthink it, if you just like, this is how I felt when I walked out and you put it up, sometimes you'll get a really genuine reaction. So I did this, this very thing. I got out, I tweeted it, I tagged James Gunn. I know where you're going with this, He too. immediately liked it and retweeted it. It was the it first. Was amazing. It was, it was the first and only time I've ever interacted with James Gunn on Twitter. That's and great. Uh, the thought that I shared, which was that basically this felt like a movie James Gunn would have made as a B-movie with no budget, no IP, uh, and... That's exactly what I think the movie he made was. It just makes it better that he has access to all those things. And I think that's why the movie's so good because, yeah. spoilers, it, he's able to kill the characters that he wants to kill. He's able to go for the humor that he wants to. He's yep. able to go for the gore that he wants to. Yep. Everything about this movie is bizarre, but the fact that we're watching Harley and DC characters, we know that it has some significance to a larger story, makes it that much more appetizing. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I really felt it too, man. I felt that, one... I felt with the what happened at Marvel was an interesting time for James Gunn, obviously, um, and I felt like Warner Brothers really capitalized on that moment because I th- I remember saying to a, a few colleagues at the time, it's like it's like DC shooting shots across the bow at Marvel, yeah, taking James Gunn and putting him in the Suicide Squad, which is an obvious kind of Guardians of the Galaxy Suicide Squad. Great, I get that, but Warner Brothers, what I feel like they were doing with James Gunn was they said, man, blank check. Just yeah. have fun with it. Right. And he wrote, and he wrote, and he was coming off of Marvel, and he might have been pissed. He might have been upset. He might have been saying F you to Disney who owns the sun, whatever it may be. He was in rare form, and I think he sat down and he wrote a script that was absolutely true to the comic. It absolutely felt like I was in a comic book world. And then he actually found in mind a lot of heart in all the characters. Ratcatcher uh, Rat 2, I felt, was amazing. King Shark was an amazing anchor for me that really showed the outside, like what it feels like to be on the outside when you're trying to be there with friends. Then you yeah. have the heart, which is Harley Quinn. Um, I loved her her growth as a character. Her Even her tattoo was changed. Her mm. tattoo from Suicide Squad was the Joker, and on the back it was something like, I don't date anybody that, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, it was, because yeah, yeah. she had it changed. Or she's like, I'm nobody's, whatever it may be. James Gunn attention to detail with the characters was phenomenal. The 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 the, the, the people he pulled to be a part of the Suicide Squad I thought was fantastic. And then I love the way he framed it. I mean, he opens with I like again, spoilers. People are dying left and right. And I'm like, what the 
is yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we flash back, and I'm like, ah, that's brilliant. The, his use of like it almost felt like Pulp Fiction, the back and forth of in time. Yeah. You didn't know yep. where you were going to belong in time, and then his use of the the backgrounds and the and the the setting itself to show us where we are. Meanwhile, Harley, you know, is over here, and this. I just, I, I mean, this is this is a comic book movie. This is comic book gold, in my opinion. What happened at the box office? Well, I think there's a few things. I mean, I think the obvious thing is that we opened this movie into this Delta variant. Yep. And I think the combination of the Delta variant combined with the fact that it's day and date release on, you know, Warner Brothers uh, platform, HBO Max, really eliminates a lot of the, the day of hype that you would get. And I think the saddest thing about this is it's going to tank even harder this weekend. It's going to make yeah. even less money this weekend. Yeah, it will be. Now, yeah. there's a few things that have happened. AMC has inked a deal with Warner Brothers to open up 45 days. Yep. Uh, so much like Paramount is doing, 45 days in a theater is more than enough for these movies to really capitalize. That's, oh, that's they make all their money in those first two weeks. Um, I mean, that really is. Like, the opening weekend is key to yeah. success. I mean, you, I mean, we were looking before pandemic. You have to open above $100 million just to have a chance. Yeah. Chance of making your money back for these major campaigns and the budgets right. they spend. So I think those things together kind of just create the the situation that we're in. But I, I also wonder, how do I say this concisely without just rambling, but we went into pandemic with this idea of what streaming versus non-streaming films were. Right? Yeah. We, knew that, we knew that there was a change coming. The tide was already turning. Yeah. Um, we just didn't know what it was going to look like. Right. And like so many things that happened during pandemic, we said to ourselves, well, I wonder when it's going to go back to the way we recognized it. You know, once this is over, it'll be something we recognize. But the thing is, it's been such a long time now. Yeah. By the time the Delta variant has died down and we're in a safer place, it'll have been a full two years. Yeah. It'll have been a full two years by the... And two years a long time in any cycle of any business. Yeah. So two years later, there is no going back, really. No. It just... But what is going to happen is I think... Studios want to spend a lot of money on making big movies, and we as fans want to watch those movies, right? Yeah. The only way you're going to be able to justify making those movies is if you can show an actual legitimate return on your investment, like a real one. Yeah. And the way that it's working right now with day and date, that doesn't exist. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And they're going to figure that out. They already have it. They're already starting to. You know, the, the theater chains are an important piece uh, because the truth is you watch Suicide Squad at home. You could have watched Suicide Squad at home with seven people. That does not translate the same way when you watch it at home with seven friends for the price of one HBO Max subscription right. that it does of seven of you going to an opening weekend at a theater. It's just a totally different piece of the pie. I couldn't believe that HBO Max, that it was there, and it afforded me the chance to make sure my mom was safe and we were all safe and everything, and I was just paying for my HBO Max subscription, $14.99 a month. Now, I could watch that with a number of my family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're right. So you're you're talking about fourteen ninety nine, with maybe five people. Right. You times that by twenty dollars a ticket, plus whatever it may be, parking. Blah 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 blah. That's a big discrepancy in the changes in the gross. And I'm looking at the chat here. Uh, MK Songbird, thank you, my friend, for coming in here with one hundred eighty five production but uh, one hundred eighty five million production budget, um, plus one hundred million in marketing. It really sucks, but there's no way this movie breaks even. I focus on that because the reviews are so amazing. At one point, Rotten Tomatoes had it 100%. The yeah. highest, it's, it's one of the highest Rotten Tomatoes superhero movies of all time. Yeah. That's without question. But this thing opened to, what, 20 million? 30, like 26, I think. Just 26 million. Yeah, 26.5 million. Underwhelming box office. 
we don't know what it is overseas yet, but is this breaking even or is, are we really screwed when it comes to Suicide Squad? If you're talking about actual traditional dollars at the box office, no. Yeah. But, yeah. but that doesn't factor in the number of HBO Max subscriptions that were kept. So he, here's the funniest part about this. It, yeah. People are talking about this topic of day and date release and what's happened as though there is some sort of, uh, well, let's figure out a way that it works for everyone. And here's the thing. Capitalism doesn't work that way. No. It's always been, we're making a movie, and then we're going to put it somewhere where you can't see it unless you give us this much money. That's the yeah. way the whole model was founded. Right. If you watch two episodes for free of a television show on a streaming service, and then they say, you can get the other eight if you subscribe, you'll subscribe because otherwise you can't watch it. Now, piracy has changed this, but it's not like there's a convenience factor where it's like, well, this is really convenient. I'd love for this not to go away. If this doesn't go away, we don't get movies like this because they can't make their money back. Right. That's how it works, right? right? They can't just make it convenient for the audience because we like the fact that... For you, I'm sure it was wonderful you could watch it at home. It was. It was but great. I missed out, though. I missed the audience. And Ikaika, you were saying, you saw it with an audience, right? Yeah, I saw it on Friday. And you were saying there were many parts in that movie that the audience going wild, but there was one particular moment. What was yeah. that? The theater died when they found out that Weasel cannot swim and he was just <laughs> yes. drowning. Yes, <laughs> it was it was a, it was it was the first time in the last so year and a half that I feel like wow I'm in a movie theater and I'm enjoying this with people. Yeah, and that that's a feeling that I miss. But just to touch on that moment in that movie, yeah. because I every once in a while I want to go there, like Peacekeeper John Cena going, Starfish, you know that's uh, also another name for a butthole. Any connection? No, I just yeah lost my mind. But Weasel, that moment, those pregnant pauses. They're watching this thing. I know. <laughs> I, that was great. And I'm watching. It looks like Leia in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> Leia does not swim. Leia's like, ah, fuck. And that, that yeah. Well, they, it, the way he also sets it up too, that Savant <laughs> pulls him out of the water, and they set up they set up Michael Rooker to be this character. They're like, well, okay, they'll all die, but Rooker's gonna somehow make it because like it's Rooker. We know James Gunn loves Michael Rooker. Yeah. He did this noble thing of saving Weasel or trying at least. Yeah. Like so that he'll they'll let him go. Nope. And like it, it totally gives you. Yeah. It, it sets up all the beats in the script that you expect that, and it's just it was great. It was brilliant. It, it, it was brilliant, and uh, we we can talk about box office numbers, and and we can be pundits, and we. We can uh, capitulate all we want about what happened. But, my God, it's like you've seen some of our colleagues online that are kind of rolling their eyes, metaphorically rolling their eyes online, going, well, there's a pandemic, and it was an, it was released on a streaming service for free if you're already a member. Yeah. It wasn't like Disney Plus, where I did pay $30 for Black Widow. Yeah. But Suicide Squad, nope, you can get it. Go. Uh, I find that interesting. Things will change. You've already talked about it. What do you know about this AMC deal, and how do you think that will affect things moving forward? I think the AMC deal is just us drifting back towards the direction of... There's there's two pieces to it. I think the first part of it is just box office receipts. You just need to be able to have these movies make more money. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, if, God, if Suicide yes. Squad can't make its money back, I mean, we're really screwed. Yeah, that, um, that, that movie should have done a lot better. Ikaika, do me a favor. Can you look up the opening weekend of Ayers... Suicide Squad. 2016, yeah. It, 2016. It did well. I mean, that movie made... It did do well. That movie made, I think, $400 million uh, domestically. Oscar winning. Yeah. But I, here's what I'll say, and, and I actually talked about this a little bit earlier on Schmodan Backstage, and I think I've actually gone down this rabbit hole a couple times, but I think it's an important piece of the conversation for, uh, for fans who follow shows like this mm -hmm. and who are interested in the digital movie space. So there is this marketing push that happens with new movies that come out, whether it's anything from Suicide Squad all the way down to like that indie movie that opens in, you know, 800 theaters. Whatever right. it is, there's a marketing push that we all pay attention to. And as people who work in the space, 
and you know, you worked for Collider for a long time. I yeah. freelanced for Collider for Popcorn Talk. Uh, we are people who get looked at as what's your opinion of this new movie? You know, wow. what do you think about this thing that's coming out? How do you feel about this piece of news? Right? Yeah. There are people that have much larger audiences who have more to say, and there are people that have less. But no matter how you slice it, we are people that fit into that zeitgeist, that conversation about what matters and what doesn't. Yeah. If your marketing budget is not making movie like that Soderbergh movie, No Sudden Move, right? you're not making that relevant to me because it doesn't get a theatrical release, and you put a prestige director's movie for free on a service that at this moment I'm not even paying for, I'm not going to watch it, which means I'm not going to talk about it, which means your marketing is failing. Mm. Because as pundits, yeah. as, as pundits whose job it is to literally, like, we talk about this stuff and we try to drum up interest and get excited, if you're not giving me a reason to be excited, I won't be. And yeah. your movie will fail. And not only that, you ask the question about what does the AMC thing mean, the secondary shelf life of a movie that's supposed to make money once it's available on VOD will not have a secondary shelf life because we didn't see it. We no. don't care about it. And right. as much as we'd like to believe that most movies are the nice guys, you know, or I was joking about Popstar because yeah. these are great movies from 2016 that I love that no one watched. No one watched. Now we all talk about those movies. We yeah. love those movies, right? They lived on. They truly lived on because they did a good job promoting them even though they failed. They felt like real movies that underperformed at the box office. Do you think the Suicide Squad will be a, a, like a, a cult classic later on i mean does this thing have legs on i mean we are in the streaming era so digital is king over physical media so you're not going to buy this thing uh like like we used to do in the past where i went out and did buy a copy of batman v superman or a copy mm -hmm. of avengers or a copy of whatever may be superhero movie and i can think of a few cases where these um cult hits like um what is it? From Dust Till Dawn didn't yeah. do well in theaters, but it had a life outside of theaters where people were buying it. Now, this is back in the day with physical media being a thing, but is there a cult following? Is there hope for the Suicide Squad? Well, there's a certain brand IP that goes along with movies like this, that mm -hmm. just knowing that this is a Warner Brothers DCEU movie, that no matter if this made a dollar or a billion dollars, it will have a forever audience that'll make yeah. it live on as part of a, like a sort of a larger idea. That's a great, so great way to put it. A yeah. movie like this can't really die. Like yeah. it, this will make money eventually, long term. Re-releases will make money. Like the cast members will all be famous for having played these roles. It's a big deal for everyone involved. And I think the box office on this movie failing is a little different than the say like if, if the box office on Dune tanks. If that movie doesn't work, yeah. we're in a whole... That's like a different kind of conversation. Because there are so many franchises that tried to start off of great IP with huge casts that everyone loved that, like, th let's be honest here. The Golden Compass movie from 2007 is a joke. That movie's a friggin' joke. It's, right. it's, that's a huge IP. Everybody loved that series. That should have been a big deal. Not at all. Didn't right. even remotely work, right? So, like, no one's talking about that movie. And it's different than, like, when Phantom Menace gets terrible reviews. It's right. a Star Wars movie. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It's always going to live on. Attack of the Clones is a, a modern classic just based on the fact that it's going to be watched till the end of time. That's, that's a good point. I hope that the Suicide Squad actually has those legs because I, I do feel it's actually very special. It's, it, it's, it's something that um, I find one of the best DC movies uh, I've seen. I'm still a Man of Steel guy. Um, you know, Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad is up there. And the box office, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess when it comes to this and a sequel and all that, we might have to worry a little bit. Kaika, what do you got? Uh, the original Suicide Squad opened at 133 million. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That's yeah. I mean, the one thing about business when it comes to something like this where this they spent this much money on it is that there is somebody whose job it is to 
convince the powers that be that it's okay to do things like this. And that person who has to be convinced is ultimately the person who's responsible. Their job is, is on the line if, it, if they do or don't make money next time. Yeah. So even though it's explainable why this movie has made less money than it should, yeah. somebody decided this was the best way to put this movie out, that person probably got fired. <laughs> and, <laughs> probably. And yeah. the person who's now trying to convince the powers that be up top to make the next one is going to have a much harder road to go down. Even, yeah. if it's, even if it's illogical, it's still the truth. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting uh, interesting to see moving forward how things change because we were talking a little bit off air that I'll, I'll touch on with you, Ben. Uh, Ikaika, uh, we started hearing whether it's the Delta variant or studios wondering if we should press pause right now some for some of these releases because you have to go to theaters to make that big box office money. You put it on, say, I don't know, uh, like your HBO Max app where it's free. Or you put it on Disney. Disney had that extra added advantage with Black Widow, which we're going to get to. I want your thoughts on the Black Widow lawsuit happening because they say it made something like $60 million in extra revenue from the Disney Plus app. Yeah. But then Scarlett Johansson comes out to sue Disney for altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. further. But they were at least aware of the model and were charging for their streaming service. What... Let, let, let's go into that. Like, what what's the difference here? Well, I think the truth is that when you're at the level that she's at, you know, their response referenced the fact that she was paid $20 million for her role in the movie. Yeah. And that's supposed to make it seem, and I think it's, as, as I think her attorney came back to say, uh, it's supposed to sort of weaponize her ability and success right. against her. Which is ridiculous. She's yeah. an Avenger. She's one of the people in the cast. Like she deserves twenty million as much as everybody else deserves the money they got. And I, I believe Robert Downey Jr. got like two hundred fifty million for his final four films. So it's not even close. Um, as far as suing based on digital release goes, the the companies that the companies that are paying these people to do these things and be in these movies, like yeah. the larger companies, just like any boss and any job, will always pay their talent exactly or slightly less than they think they're worth, always. Yeah, because yeah. that's what they have to do. Not right. not like they have to, like, uh, they're compelled to, but, like, that's the that's the whole nature of being a boss at anything if you're going to have employees is figure out the point that you can, the least amount you can pay them that feels fair, yeah. that is going to allow them to do the job and you to employ them. Not in, like, a take advantage way, but you're not going to overpay for talent. So yeah. they're never going to overpay anybody on their contract. They're no. going to pay her exactly what the, she, they think she is worth. Now... The part of this which starts with her that then goes to Emma Stone suing for Cruella that's going to continue to go down this road of stars suing the studios. It works now because there's there's like this sort of like deniability thing that the studios are in and they're all trying to figure out their piece of the pie because streaming is not accounted for and there is so much money being made on the memberships. Oh, yeah. But this will be locked down and figured out sooner than later. These are just the corner cases that are going to slip through in the meantime. I think Jerry B sued for Olympus as well, but I think it was for That's right. older box office receipts. I don't That's think right. it was based on streaming. I think he just saw the opening. And it's like, I'm going to sue. Yeah, I'm going to sue now. <laughs> uh, we have a bunch of uh, Super Chats and Streamlabs coming in here, so I'm going to get to those real quick. Matt the Beard Man uh, sending another uh, generous uh, uh, Super Chat here. Send lots of positive thoughts and love to you, your mom and your family, Mark. As somebody that lost their mom to cancer in the early 20s, in my early 20s, I love to see when people are able to overcome it. That got me, Matt. That almost got me, man. I am so sorry to hear about your loss. I did not know that. And it makes um, what mom is going through even that much more sweet to know that um, she did 
for now, uh, everything, you know, all signs are pointing that this is over. So thank you for sharing that, Matt. I, I really appreciate it. And, and my condolences to you. And I hate hearing that, but, um, your generosity means the world. And, and for saying that much love to you, man. Uh, King Dingling. Nice. Love you having here uh, in the chat, my friend. Great to see you two together. I love this movie and legit was shocked and impressed that I nearly cried about a story who's named Ratcatcher 2. I know, yeah. What were some, what were some of your favorite characters in this uh, Suicide Squad? I did really like her a lot. I was a big fan. I liked yeah. uh, I liked Polka Dot Man a lot. Um, I thought, uh, is it David Dasmalchian? Is that his name? Oh, yeah. David Dasmalchian is thought, phenomenal. He was great. I thought that the main, I thought the main cast members really crushed it. And I also was impressed that, like, I cared so much more about Rick Flagg this time. Yeah. He, he was such a, sh- can I swear on the show? Yeah, you can He swear. was such a shitty character in the first movie. Yeah. He exemplified everything about generic-looking white guy with stubble that I hate about the mid-2010s. Yeah. Like, the, that group of them. And I think, didn't that movie have three of them? Didn't it have Jai Courtney, him, and Scott Eastwood? Yeah. They're all, all the kind of the same. They're all the kind of, like, they get cast in those similar roles, right? So, like, he was so much better in this movie. I enjoyed him so much more. Um, I did really, really like Bloodsport. Like, yeah. he's a he's a really fun lead. Yeah. Uh, Peacemaker. I mean, really, King Shark. I really liked the, the, the main crew. I almost liked them all. King Shark. <laughs> King Shark was one of my favorites. And, and I didn't know. I was looking up some fun facts with it. King Shark, ori- uh, original incarnation was a hammerhead shark. Okay. New 52 comic. Uh, re-envisioned as a great white. And so he, James Gunn, went back to the original and was going to do the hammerhead. Yeah. But the eyes and the tests <laughs> were, you couldn't get people to look okay. at the eyes. So he went to the great white shark version, which um, I think I prefer because I'm a Jaws guy. Yeah. So uh, anyways, Pringles2000 in here with a Streamlabs. Streamlabs.com slash GPA if you want to get some questions in for Ben and me. Anything you want to talk about, we're going to move on to some news and some talk uh, after this. But they write here, Pringles2000, looky here. Who's the boss reunited to talk about some Suicide Squad? The only thing better would be a surprise performance from Ben. Keep kicking ass. Exactly. Thank you, <laughs> Pringles. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, we. I should have had you bring your. I th- uh, you know. Guitar. You know. To be honest with you, I thought about it. You should have. But I, I should have like, told you. But I was like, if I bring the guitar, and then there was no, then I was like, then I'm the real d bag. So I was like, <laughs> I'll leave it. I'll just leave it at home. But I. But I did just get my dream guitar installed with a pickup, so now I can plug in. I played my first show on Sunday. I saw that. Crazy, dude. That's crazy. First time in front of people. I played seven songs. I was like, uh, you yeah. were, yeah. It was amazing. I saw some of the clips you were putting out there, and I was like, the the, the crowd was digging it, man. It was really fun. I that's mean, yeah, awesome. it, it was wild. Go like really going for it. And it's also the cool. The coolest thing for me was uh, that guitar. It's a 1960 Gibson Hummingbird reissue, which was like a dream guitar of mine. I always yeah. wanted it, and I talked about it on stream so much that a lot of uh, the people who support what I do, uh, they started donating and raising money for it, and so. That combined with selling a bunch of magic cards last October, I went and bought my dream guitar. Yeah. And so that was the first time I had gotten to like really play a show and also just like wail on the fucking thing. Yeah. Like really hit it. And like uh, it was really fun. It said listening back, it sounded great. I was really proud of it. So big thank you to all the uh, the nerds that formerly formerly known as nerds and suits uh, fans for uh, supporting me and getting that. Uh, we have the best fans. I I, I want to say that. And uh, thank you everybody uh, for jumping in here. Speaking of fans, uh, I see so many. Uh, great faces here that I know and love. Brian Jackson, Mr. McClunky, John Mariano, Miss Lenore hey, Dixon, Laser Bolt, Jack Gibbons. Loving having you. Haskell420, of course. Thank you all, Laser Bolt and everybody here, uh, for taking care of that. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of troll in here, but they're gone now. Hey. They're gone here. Look at that. Get We're rid good. of the troll. We're love good. getting rid of the trolls. We're good people here. We don't take kindly that kind of stuff. Uh, we appreciate just the positivity and having you all in here and saying nice things. 
Uh, and again, Pringles 2000, thank you so much for that. Streamlabs.com slash goodpeoplegpa and Super Chats. Always welcome if you haven't already done so. I see so many of you have. Hit that like button. We have almost 80 people watching right now. Please hit that like. We have so many people that, that, that that'll help us get that algorithm. The algorithm is such a, you know, whatever the hell is going on with YouTube. Uh, but we talked about Black Widow. And what do you think of Scarlett Johansson suing Disney? Is this just more of a statement? Is this more of a... The, the tide is turning. Is this more of a tectonic shift? What's going on with that, in I your think opinion? probably that there was a lot of conversations happening behind the scenes at various studios and in various uh, at agencies of these yeah. attorneys talking about this very topic. I think Black Widow, I think there's a couple things that go along with this move to sue them, to be completely honest with you. And mm -hmm. I think if, if I'm being dead honest, I think Scarlett Johansson got a pretty raw deal, and yeah. I know her making $20 million does not sound like that, but the way that she was treated as a star of the Avengers, yeah, I was in that movie, watching that film, thinking to myself, man, what a fun, what a fun buddy, buddy film this yeah. is. And then I was like, wait a minute. You're the star, and she's upstaging you. Mm. She's better than you in this movie. Mm. It feels like you guys are the equals Florence on this Pugh. poster. Yeah. yeah. And by the end of the movie, I was like, that was, that totally felt like Florence Pugh's movie to me. It felt like at best they were even. Mm -hmm. But I want to watch another movie with Florence Pugh because of the way this was written and the way how good she was. Yeah, she was great. And everybody watching it knows that. And Disney knows that because they need to make the franchise about her going forward. Yeah. And not She's only that. She's new Black Widow. But this movie came out, it's literally based in 2016. Could they have made it any more offensive to Scarlett Johansson? Hey, we're going to make you a movie with a better Black Widow who's taking over the franchise. And just to make fun of you, we're going to make this set at the time you should have had your own movie, but we were too dumb to do it. <laughs> By the way, we're going to release this into a pandemic on Disney+. Plus, yeah. And then... The only way to save face when the movie underperforms is you're going to have to sue us. Yeah. That's like literally when I watched the whole thing go down, how it felt. It was like I felt embarrassed for her a little bit. Like I, 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 a lot of people did. There are, there are rumors and reports out there that Kevin Feige, even Iger, Bob Iger himself, are doing this thing. Oh, God. Oh, God. The, the, the heir apparent to um, Iger, who was taking over, apparently, is Chappick, yeah. Chappick is pointing some fingers that way. We'll see. Um, for me, Scarlett Johansson, go get him. Yeah, go right? get him. Go get him. I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to this kind of idea that well, she already made twenty million. She had and made twenty million, and then had a deal for back end points. Yeah, and those back end points probably came with a lot of negotiation and came years later after already. She joined the MCU. This was a long time coming, and any time, I don't care if you're making $20 to $20 million, if you write something in a contract and you go forward with your best interest knowing that this is going to happen and it doesn't come true, go sue them. Also, Especially it's Disney. Come on. On top it's, of which, this wasn't this wasn't one movie and like, ah, oh, made, she made $20 million, so it's okay. This was the biggest paycheck of her career by far. Yeah. This was 10 years, 11 years of playing the character. So to get a chance to have her own movie, she's going to get one. It took 11 years for her to get her own movie. Yeah. And make no mistake about it, Scarlett Johansson, just like every actress in Hollywood knows, this is a sexist industry. Yeah. They do not give actresses over 40 their own franchises. That's not a thing Hollywood likes no, to do. No, no. It's totally fucked up, but she's a realist, and she knows that. 
she knows the reality of her being able to get that kind of a paycheck again is very slim. This is the payday. Yeah. This is the one that was supposed to be point. the cash cow. Yeah. And and anyone who wants to be like, it's a broken system, so she shouldn't worry about that. She should fix the problem. We'll fix the problem, but she should sue Disney because she does deserve to be compensated for the fact that it took 11 years to get her own movie made. Yeah. And there's some shade. There's something going on, and maybe it's not shady. Maybe it is. We don't know. But there is a history of sexism. There is a history of uh, you know rewarding like people were bringing up Robert Downey Jr. and all yeah. the different the Marvelites and whatnot for comps. But Scarlett Johansson, you said it. There, there it felt like she got a a dirty deal. It just felt like whether it's the pandemic and releasing because this thing was supposed to release last year. You know, when we had the pandemic. So it's been a while. It's been a minute. There was renegotiations. Scarlett Johansson, look, I have a friend that I uh, went to college with, and he did this great Christopher Walken impression, Joe Douglas. He came out one day to do a monologue about Disney. And he said, and his first lines were, the sun brought to you by Disney. <laughs> was that he was poking, and this was 1997, folks. And this is a while ago. We've known that Disney has owned the world for a very long time. If they're screwing Scarlett Johansson, go to it. Just, yeah, go go get your money. That's, I, just go get your money. 100%. Yeah. And, I, and I think, I, I mean, I think it's a broken industry just because, like, and this is just strong personal opinion, but sure. they made two bad Thor movies and he still got a third movie. Yeah. Like, I think Thor true. 1 is the worst, actual worst Marvel movie. And I think really? Thor 2 I is love a, Thor. Those two are in the bottom three or four for me. Okay. Ragnarok Dark World's fine. Ragnarok's in the top. Six, probably. Ragnarok's my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, just it's amazing. so good. But my point is that she didn't get her own movie until Thor had had three movies, and he had three tries to get it right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Scarlet, go go, go to it. Go to it, and I, and I wonder what the uh, outcome will be later. But um, let's move on. I have some super chats here. K-Wolf in here saying, I'll always support my boy Bateman okay. and everything he does. Hashtag Team Bateman for life. Uh, Peter Christensen in here with a super chat. I'm curious with the suspect nature of movie accounting, how streaming will only complicate this further for people who's with contracts linked to the movie profits. Will streaming change contracts? Yes, absolutely. It's changing them now. And I've heard a number of people... Uh, I know Emma Watson was looking at, uh, or sorry, uh, Emma Stone was looking at um, Cruella. Yep, yep. And wondering about bringing a lawsuit to Disney as well because they had to change things. I know there are a lot of people looking at, you mentioned J- uh, Jerry Butler, Gerard Butler looking into those things. What do you think of uh, Peter Christensen's comment here, the super chat? Was, uh, streaming is changing contracts as we speak. You yeah, think so? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, there's, without a doubt, I mean, it's it's because... God, I mean, I, I can't speak for GPA because this is just my first time here, so I don't know how it works behind the scenes here. Sure. But I do know I've worked with enough companies that have a major YouTube presence that monetizing streaming content, like actually making streaming content work in a way that is financially viable for talent, is very difficult to do on all levels. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like we're not making, we're not raking in the money here at GPA. Everything you guys send us is ke- literally keeping the lights on. So when you send a $5 super chat, we hold on to that like a Ritz cracker in the desert after not eating for days. We're like, oh, my God, we need this. It is really important for what we do. Sorry, I just wanted to say that and interject, but your point. I mean, just, you know, and obviously, like, it's to varying degrees, right? Because, and this is is the the classic example of it, but the old model of YouTuber starts off, gets, blows up, makes lots of money on ad rev. Well, that ad rev is enough money for a big YouTuber to support themselves. Sure. Then you add in a second person. You're going to have 
the wonderful Ikaiko over here. Yeah. And, and he's going to have to sit here and engineer the show, and he's going to have to make this work. So now, even if GPA was just you, mm-hmm. now you have a second person. Right. Now, on top of that, you've got the overhead of an actual professional studio, so that when I walk in here as a guest, and we're friends, so I don't care, but if I was a famous person mm-hmm. who you were trying to do an interview with, mm-hmm. you would want this to look like a professional space. Yeah. So it's important to have a professional space, which you do. Now you add in the fact that you have two more founders, three more founders, including Eric. Yeah. Right. Now you add in the fact that anytime you guys want to buy anything, the bar, I know I have one of these. These things are not cheap. Computer, yeah. Like, I know what this all costs. And the fact is, streaming and monetizing is very, very difficult. Yeah. So when you're a large company like Disney, they've got more than an engineer and a person on the desk. Uh, you need to figure out a lot of ways to make money. And it's not easy for anyone. Yeah. And the wonderful... Sorry, this is just another tangent, but it's mm-hmm. funny because you worked at Collider and yeah. the 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 um, awesome Tacular show, which is part <laughs> of yeah. Go ninety. It was so much fun, but I know where you're going with this. Yeah, there is this age old tradition of companies uh, that have stake in entertainment. Mm-hmm. They have a big pocketbook, and mm-hmm. they decide we are going to take a chance on this thing. We're going to spend a bunch of money on this thing. Yeah, we're going to assemble these other pieces, and we're hoping these pieces we put together profitable and successful that either comes in the form of critical acclaim awards or it comes in the form of box office they would like both usually sometimes you get one sometimes often you get neither so go 90 is a great example of a company where verizon was like hey everybody's doing this digital streaming content let's spend a whole bunch of money hey collider we'll give you money to make a show now for you guys if the show is or isn't successful it's not really your concern your concern is that you tasked us to do this yeah we're going to give you the best content we can we're going to hope it works and eventually when it runs out of money, unless it makes lots of money, it will get canceled, like most things do, yeah. because most things do run out of money. Yeah. But the difference between being a mom-and-pop shop like you guys are here, where you're essentially a group of people who are doing this yourselves, yeah. you don't have Disney being like, just burn money until we're done. No, no. You know? and, I, and we had that. And you bring up a good, uh, I, I would say, uh, I would think, a comp for that in, in Awesome Tacular and Verizon Go 90. We had... Uh, we had some things available to us at the time. So Josh, me, and Ken in the writer's room were able to pitch all these things and try to all these things, and we shot a bunch of things that were really, really great, but we were unaware of what was going on in the, uh, in the background, and then some of our pitches were turned down, which we thought were a lot. That were awesome. Come on, the Barb, uh, the Barbschler. It was Barb from <laughs> Stranger Things as a bachelor, and it was her in the in the under, in the upside down because she disappeared. And okay. it was like, and it was like we were going to have actual bachelors come in. Uh, oh yeah, it was. They didn't like that over there. <laughs> but that's beside the point. But it, but it is it really is a is a good comp, and um, you know. We'll see, but uh, I appreciate you saying that about GPA and uh, everybody. You know, it just goes to show you um, what you guys do, how you support us, the memberships over at the GPA.fund, Super Chats, Streamlabs. They mean the world, so thank you, and thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 uh, from having been somebody who has, like, YouTube channels, and then now as I'm booking this tour, it's like, I know. Yeah. I know because I am literally out of my pocket is coming the money to rent every room. Yeah. It's the merch. It's the plane tickets. It's yeah. the hotels. It's... I, like make I, money to spend money or spend money to make money is that how it goes? Yeah, I guess it is. When I started selling tickets for the tour, I was like, this will. I was like, this should be, this break it even or even maybe make some money. And now as I go, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like that's like another six hundred dollars. Like oh, that's three times what I thought it was going to cost. <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunate. It's um, 
So you know, it's when you when you don't have a big backer, it's uh, it all falls on you. Anyway. It, exactly right. And Kelly W in here with a super chat. Thank you so much, my friend. Saying here's to keeping the lights on. Thanks, and Kelly. Very generous uh, super chat there. So appreciate that. All right, let's uh, finish out some news here. I do want to get uh, just your thoughts on staying in D.C. here because D.C. being D.C. J.K. Simmons is coming back as uh, as, as the commission. Commissioner Gordon in Batgirl movie. The shared universe, just like, pfft, F it, who cares? What do you make of Batgirl's J.K.? You have J.K. Simmons, who was cast by Zack Snyder. He's coming back as Commissioner Gordon. Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon in the Batman movie. So we're just, we're just multiverse. It doesn't matter. Do we need a shared universe? Does it even matter what DC calls it and they just get the best talent? What do you make of, of J.K. Simmons coming back? I think this is one of the funniest conversations about comic book movies. Yeah. Um, anybody who watches this show who has ever been a comic book reader knows uh, they've been making comic books with the same Marvel and DC characters since the late 30s. Yeah. So for that to work and for Batman to always be perpetually 30-ish years old, mm -hmm. uh, or any of these characters for that matter, you have to constantly reinvent the timeline. You just yeah. have to. You can't because, because you're going to kill characters, they're going to get married, they're going to get older. Yeah. So many things are going to happen. The only way for it to work is just to figure out ways to reinvent the publishing that 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 title and re redo it. The movies have now been around for long enough in a prominent way where they're not like single movies that fail. They're like these larger universes. Yeah. We've had this now going on for going on 15 years pretty soon. So with that being said and that in mind, it means that they have to figure out a way to do the same thing. Yeah. And so, yes, you're going to have J.K. Simmons play Commissioner Gordon between an HBO Max movie and some DC, but you're also going to have Jeffrey Wright because at that time they were doing something else and eventually we're just going to call it the multiverse. Yeah. Uh, which is how you fix it. You know, right? Earth Earth 51, Earth 52, yeah. because that's what you have to do. Yeah. And in 10 more years, it's going to get even weirder and more complicated because they're going to have probably probably in 10 years, you're going to have a full reboot of the MCU. Probably. Yeah. Maybe it's longer. Maybe it's maybe it's longer than that. Like, they'll do soft reboots. I think they'll recast and they'll just continue on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It'll be something like a new Thor will show up, a new Iron Man will show up. I, I don't know, but that's my guess. But you're right. I, 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 I hear what you're saying and agree. And all the stuff that we're seeing now, like the fact that Keaton's going to be in Flash and all that, like, I mean, I think that stuff's really cool and it yeah. takes advantage of our fandom and what we love. But in terms of who's being cast and what, that DC has been such a mess now since they started doing this whole expanded universe thing. It, you just... Marvel should never have worked. The MCU should never have been able to do what it's done. Yeah. It should never have been able to get that close. But even there, you still had to recast Terrence Howard into Don Cheadle. You still had to recast Edward Norton into Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, you know? that's true. Like, you still had to have one non-Josh Brolin play Thanos, and then Josh Brolin plays Thanos. Even those little things. And those are tiny... In, in you know compared to but even marvel had to do it yeah, like most of the true. time it that's doesn't true. most of the time it just doesn't work and uh, i think dc is experiencing the reality of tr this idea which is that the mcu didn't happen until 2008 for all the reasons that dc is showing how hard it is to do it consistently yeah it's very hard to pull off it, it it's true i think that uh, what i took from it jk simmons coming back as commissioner gordon a fantastic actor showing up again in a role that i know he can just crush so I was very happy to see it. And uh, as I see a lot of people in the chat here just going, yeah, multiverse. That's what it's called. You can just explain it, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's okay. Uh, Alex G in here in the chat saying they'll just say it's part of the multiverse. Yeah. And that's what it is. Uh, again, Taco with a super chat sticker here. Thank you very much for that. Just the appreciation. I love it. Uh, looks like a salt shaker 
for our salty conversation. I appreciate that taco. <laughs> uh, that's it for the news here on Riley's Cantina. Let's go into some other things. We're going to end with that. They don't make them like they used to. Our look at all the past comic book posters. I can't wait to get your take on this. But I do want to get into um, some film bits. And this is the film bits segment that I like to do. I, I read a couple short news segments to my guests, to everybody out there, and I want to know what you want to talk about. So, Ben Bateman, three news articles that I pulled. See what tickles your fancy. Got it. Idris Elba to play Knuckles Yeah, in Sonic 2. Did a great reveal on Twitter today. He said, knock, knock, showing the Knuckles, and everybody went, Idris Elba? Yeah. Wow, Okay. Uh, Tom Hanks joins Bill Murray in a Wes Anderson movie, in their new movie. That, to me, yeah. Tom Hanks and Wes Anderson, my God. And the last one, the Morbius director may have just spoiled an exciting cameo. Spoilers within that story. Ben Bateman, everybody in chat, what tickles your fancy there on Film Bits? Hanks, Wes Anderson. Yeah, me that's, too. That's the one. How, I- how, it's been too long. How have we not had Tom Hanks in a Wes Anderson movie? And especially considering the best Wes Anderson movie came out 20 years ago, and it's been 20 years since Tenenbaums. And I was going Rushmore. It, that's even older, but, yeah, but I no, mean, but the, as far as best. Yeah, I mean, I just, I prefer. T- Tenenbaums is up there for me. I prefer it's like it. Rushmore and Tenenbaums goes back and forth for me. They're yeah, both just. They're both great, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But, but what I think my, what I more mean is Tenenbaums was so successful. Yeah. It was the movie that really put him on the map. It's like, true. This, yeah. is, this, is, this is one of those guys, you know. Um, you'd think when he got the cred there, because you're talking about that movie came out in 2001. I mean, that's like Tom Hanks was in Castaway in 2000. Yeah. That should have been, been like the perfect pairing. He yeah. should, right? I mean, for, for God's sakes, he went and did The Lady Killers a few years later. <laughs> that's right. right? He, did, he did a Coen Brothers movie. Um, Coen Brothers. You know, everybody was like, Coen Brothers, this right. is great. Lady Killers, different story. You know, he's working with all these interesting directors, and he's doing lots of cool stuff. He's doing mocap as a Zemeckis, and he's doing Ron Howard movies. Like, you would have just thought that Wes Anderson would have figured out a way to get Hanks in a movie. Right. Um, but, yeah, not so much, so... Uh, I'm very excited for this. I think I've heard that it might be a cameo. It might okay. be more on along the lines of like Bill Murray in the Darjeeling Limited. Okay. But is he uh, in that really? Yeah. Do you remember the beginning of that? He's the guy running for the train and he misses it. No, I did not remember. Yeah, it's Bill Murray just running. It is so great because it, it gets your your quintessential uh, Bill Murray cameo. Yeah. In yeah, there. yeah. 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 I don't know how big of a part it is. I am hoping that it's a it's a substantial role. They've mentioned um, Bill Murray being a part of it, and Will McLean here in the chat saying uh, Margot Robbie also being a part of that uh, uh, production. Thanks, Call Sign Die Hard. I we'll love that. Thank you. Uh, Brian Jackson, Mr. McClunky in here with a super chat. Uh, for the lights, your mom, Mark, and your guest, Ben, Team Hanks. Mr. McClunky, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate it. All the love that I'm seeing in the chat right now for my mom. Seriously, you guys... Been holding on to that one for a while, making sure that it was just like kind of, kind of, you know, yeah, done. And now my mother is just driving me crazy, just uh, like my mother does. She's all healthy now. <laughs> well, healthy. She's well up here at least. Uh, so thank you for that, Mister uh, Mister McClunky. Uh, all right, let's go into those were the film bits there. Um, Idris Elba, Morbius director, um, sharing something. I'll just say this about the Morbius director and what they shared about a cameo and an exciting cameo. These Spider-Man villain movies, Morbius, Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage. Um, we're gonna get uh, what else is on the on the on the docket? We got Craven is the there Hunter. Craven the Hunter movie. Yeah. yeah. I was say. Uh, they're all gonna show up in the MCU sometime. It's all gonna tie together. 
It really is. And I think this uh, Morbius director, uh, Swedish, yeah, I believe he's a, a, a Swede, and I, I believe he was talking a little bit about what it's like to make a Swedish movie and look at a call sheet and look at a, a big studio movie and look at a call sheet and see... Jared Leto, and then they already announced Michael Keaton was a part of Morbius, which is like time to a little something. And then he did say something about a certain somebody in a certain movie coming out of a certain Marvel villain. They're all going to be together. Wow, I didn't know this. I think, yeah, I think they're all going to tie together. I'm trying to keep the the spoilers at a minimum there. So those are your film bits. We got Leia coming in here right now. (laughs) Leia is coming in here. She's right here. Leia, get up here. Come on, you. Leia is making already going to Ben Bateman. <laughs> Leia is coming in, making an appearance here on the show. I appreciate it, uh, Julie bringing Leia in here. Come on, little baby girl. Hi there. She's <laughs> you're so excited, my girl. Yeah, Leia's been a part of uh, Riley's Cantina later. Your partner in crime, Andrew Guy, was here, and uh, I said. Just she literally licked my mouth. That was disgusting. <laughs> I literally said, "Ignore her." Did he and bring Snickers or no? He did not bring did Snickers. Not bring I know Snickers and Leia are two peas in a pod. Oh, there is everybody uh, saying hi to Leia here. Uh, Leia's in the house. So those were your film bits. Let's go into your post-credit scene. It's another segment I like to do here at Riley's Cantina. Your post-credit scene. This might be just a little fun fact, a little trivia. Tie it to things that might have be uh, something to talk about when we were talking about a particular topic. But I pulled this one for a reason. I get to play trivia right now? No? You, I'm going to play trivia with you. Oh. What is the very... And you already know this, though. But we talked <laughs> a little bit about off-air. So for your post-credit scene, everybody, the very first PG-13 rated movie was released on this day in 1984. Name that movie. I think I know this one. Okay. <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I guessed... A Nightmare on Elm Street. You but. guessed A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a good it's a good guess because it was 1984, the year it was released. Nightmare on Elm Street, though, hard R. Hard R. Hard R. Hard R. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the answer is Red Dawn. The answer is Red Dawn. Red Dawn came out 37 years ago today, August 10th, 1984, and it is it has the uh, distinction of being the very first PG-13 rated movie because I believe Gremlins was also one of those uh Gremlins was one of those that yep, they went, yep, Oh, yep, yep. we gotta do that. We gotta we gotta change this. Uh Temple of Doom yep. was another one that came out, right? Temple of Doom came out in eighty four. Yep. These are all eighty four. Yeah. These are all eighty four. So Gremlins and Temple of Doom came out before August, but the MPAA went, Nope, we gotta do something. So the very first movie has the honor of being Red Dawn. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Red Dawn. What are your thoughts on Red Dawn? 37 years today, it opened as the very first PG-13 rated movie. I love this movie. This movie is so awesome. I saw Red Dawn in high school one time. Uh, Swayze's my guy. He's like a classic, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, As anybody who watches my content knows, I have a Swayze uh, mural on my wall behind me. Um, (laughs) As well as you should, my friend. And I I was never, like, as big of a fan of Red Dawn as some of the other stuff. You know, it's a great early 80s cast. Uh, you got all kinds of people in there. Here's a piece of trivia for you. First of all, who directed it? Uh, John Milius. Okay, now, and what famous war film did he co-write? Famous war film that he yep. co-write? Uh, Apocalypse Now? Correct. Yeah. And even more important, uh. what? Early, I think it's early 80s. I could be wrong with this. Kay. I believe it's, yeah. What early 80s surfing film co-starring Gary Busey does John Milius direct? 
Oh, God. It's a tough one. It's a toughie. Surfer movie? Um, isn't it Cannibals something? Can- cannibals? No, what is it? Big Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Big Wednesday. And you got you got uh, Jan Michael Vincent. That's and right. And you got Gary Busey. Yeah. Yeah. Big Wednesday. Nice. Big Wednesday. Yeah. Right. The, the, like, <laughs> uh, I went to some of the fun facts for, for Red Dawn. Red yeah. Dawn yeah. And uh, one of them is C. Thomas Howell. Uh, is still, everybody yells Wolverines yeah. when, when they see him walking around and he just waves. Uh, Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey hated each other on that film. Yep, yep. And then they um, had to do, and and then then they had to do Dirty, dirty Dancing, dancing yeah. which is amazing. Um, there was a scene between Powers Booth and Leah Thompson's characters, oh, okay. but they got rid of it. And she said it years later in an interview that it was a really nice, beautiful kind of love story. But I think I bet they excised it because it was the the age, age probably right. Uh, and what are the, some of the other ones? Um, uh, Charlie Sheen, the guy who played the Russian commander, like literally scared the shit out of him because <laughs> he was like a, a, a Russian CIA, a CIA operative okay. back yeah, in the yeah, day, yeah. you know. So stuff like that. Uh, Red Dawn, if you haven't seen it, don't go see the remake. The remake is garbage. Yeah, the remake's not uh, th- This is like one of the greatest taglines on a poster, which we're going to get to some of these posters. But it says, uh, no foreign enemy has ever invaded American soil Yeah. until now. Don't they invade like Denver? Yeah, yeah, Colorado. It's Colorado. It's Colorado. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, Denver, yeah. but it's Colorado somewhere. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, uh, yep, He's because he's tra- one of the dads, he's right? The he's the dad. behind the fence. Yeah, he's Patrick Swayze and uh, C. Thomas Howell's, uh, right. or Charlie Sheen's father. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell, who else is in there? Jennifer Grey, I think we got all the big ones. But this movie is one of those movies that I remember because I remember the trailer the teacher seeing, well, now, what do we have here? And he's looking out the window. And the paratroopers and are coming in, right? the paratroopers coming yeah. And he walks out there. And he goes, what's going on here? And it's some, it, it, it's one of the troops. They just have the gun and just blow them away. And I went, 1984. Yeah. I was young enough. Yeah. To believe, because it was during the Cold War. Now, you're too young. You're too young. <laughs> I remember this. Leia's way too young. Um, I remember the Cold War. I remember worrying about war yeah. all the time. I remember my mom took me to some damn, I don't know what it was, but it was like this person screaming and yelling about the end of the world and there was going to be bombs and nuclear weapons. Are you talking about the TV movie The Day After? Yes. Yes. Do you remember that? With with um, with uh, Jason Robards. Yes, yes, and, and, yes. And Steve Gutenberg. Yes, and my mom showed that to me. Everybody watched it. And I went, the end of the world is coming. It's nigh. And then I see the trailer, and then I see the movie, and I'm watching as I'm about ready to enter, uh, you know, school, and I'm seeing people paratroop down and then blow away teachers. I'm like, this movie's scary as fuck. Dude, the, I, I had to watch the day after, I'm pretty sure, in high school is what I want to say. It might have even been, it might have been younger than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our teachers was like, you need to see this because this movie was such a, and not, not because of the Cold War, but it was like, this is such an interesting example of like, a peak zeitgeist piece of movie making. That didn't right. even get a theatrical release, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's a TV no, movie. No, the TV, TV movie, movie with Jason Robards, and yeah. I think it's like late eighties. Yeah, uh, or maybe it's earlier than that. Because I, I think before. it was earlier. I, I don't, maybe it was around. Maybe it was after. I don't know. But my mother put those those in, and then learning in school that we were in a cold war, that we were literally in a cold war, and that this was a movie that capitalized on those fears. PG thirteen. They were they were advertising it uh, advertising at the time as well as like one of the most violent movies ever put on screen. Um, just adore this movie for for the time capsule that it is, for the direction by Milius, for the 
for the brat pack of people that were involved in it at the time. I love this movie. Kaika, Hawaiian hunk. Have you seen Red Dawn, the original? No. Good talk, Russ. <laughs> you gotta go. See, you gotta go see it. It's so rad, man. You, I, I especially want to know what the Hawaiian hunk thinks because I think it's a movie you'd, you'd really dig. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Those are your film bits and your uh, post credit scene. I don't even know what I'm saying to myself. So everybody, if you haven't already done so, hit that like button. I see a lot of you have already done that. It really helps so much. Streamlabs.com/slash/goodpeoplegpa. If you want to get something in for me and Ben as we wrap around, we got about 12 minutes left on the show. So let's go to my favorite segment, which always ends the show. A lot of people's favorite segments, and that is known as they don't make them like they used to. Ben, I want to mm. preface this now. They don't make them like they used to. The Dune poster just came out, the official yes. Dune poster. Ken Napsok is not a movie guy. Yeah. Not really a movie guy. So when Ken Napsok texts me, my God, that Dune poster is awful. So you mean Star Wars, a Dune hope? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you go, what? So he showed the original, he, he, he texted me like, this Dune poster is, is awful. And it illustrates my problem with posters nowadays. Floating heads yeah. on a background. Yeah. And there's nothing to tell the story. The promotional campaign behind this movie is very bad. All that stuff yeah. a few weeks ago, they put out the posters, and it was like, Timothy Chalamet is Paul. Atreides. No, it just said, is Paul. Is Paul. Yeah, they should have <laughs> put, put Atreides. <laughs> it sounds great. Paul, yeah, I know, because when you have Dune, yeah. and then you have, like, Duncan Idaho with Jason Momoa, right? <laughs> you have these, like, you know, these great names. It's the Baron. You have these, and then it's like, Paul! <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. The, now, the the novel is one of my favorite sci-fi novels of all time, so it, it makes sense to me. I see Paul, but I see Atreides. Yeah, so the marketing campaign, uh, one of my favorite offshoots of that is the fan posters. It's like, Dune, the sand, Andy Serkis. <laughs> that's, that's a good joke. But yeah, the marketing campaign, not so great. So when I bring up the floating head stuff, that's where I like to get into the posters because posters tell a story. The great posters that I grew up with are log lines. They hint at theme. They hint at story. They don't blow it. They don't show away. They don't give away the farm. They don't do anything. They just, they tease you. That's what a poster is supposed to do. You're supposed to walk into a movie theater to see a movie, okay? And then you look on the wall and you go, what? I didn't know that I'm seeing that movie because that poster does it all. Dune, come on. You can do better than this. Uh, Streamlabs.com slash GPA. Haskell420 in here. Before we go to our last segment here, I thought my excitement level for John Wick 4 was already maxed out. Haskell writes. Uh, until they announced part four and added Donnie Yen, Hiroyuki Sonata, Scorpion and Mortal Kombat, Bill Skarsgård and Scott Adkins. But now they added the great Clancy Brown, let's go. That's right, Haskell 420, a nice film bit for you. Clancy Brown yeah, recently added to John Wick 4. Donnie Yen, of course, is, uh, is definitely going to be there. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata is, is there. That's awesome. We have Lawrence Fishburne returning. And, of course, the great Keanu Reeves. Yeah, John Wick 4. It's going to be a big one. Dude, that's going to be rad. This franchise, talk about talk about a surprise, right? Yeah. And, and like, while I think Taken was the earliest example in the sort of reinvention of action movies that we got in that like late, you know, early 2010s. Taken it's was the a, yeah. the first big one. Big one. Uh, yeah. But Taken 2 and 3 suck. And yeah. they never felt <laughs> and they never felt like they actually were creating a franchise that people cared about. No. Um John Wick was again in 2014 not a movie that I think we expected to be successful. I mean, Keanu was in his second career like 
mm-hmm. nosedive just before that. Yeah, I saw John Wick the for the original, and it's just like it looked like a paint by numbers action movie, maybe even something that would go direct to DVD, like yeah. some other some like actors. Look like a red box movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then that movie came out, and word of mouth, being what it was, I went and saw it and went, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. This is the deal. And Clancy Brown coming, uh, Haskell 420, thank you for that, man. Yeah, Clan- what a what a cast. This looks so great. Uh, so with that being said, let's go to the last segment here and have the Hawaiian hunk pull up. In honor of the Suicide Squad dropping in theaters, Suicide Squad having some of the best marketing campaigns that I've seen, 100-plus million is uh, some people, some of the numbers shared here in the chat. But this poster for the Suicide Squad, this is the poster that we've all looking for. That, I might get that poster and put it on my wall. It's an awesome poster. That is a kickback to what even James Gunn said. I want to make a 1970s action movie via Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's what he said. That's why he chose Polka Dot Man, King Shark. Uh, some of the different, the, the 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 smaller ones, the smaller villains that don't have a lot of whatever. He had that aesthetic in his mind, and it's coming out in some of these great, great posters that I saw. But I grabbed that one in particular. It looks like an old 70s movie. It looks like a movie that should have been made by, like, uh, a Friedkin yeah. Or, yeah, uh, or, or, or a Spielberg maybe back in the day. Uh, what have you. This is a Freaking great poster. That tells me everything I need to know, and it's the movie I saw. And this movie that they're advertising right now, I look at that movie and I go, well, I expect a movie, a certain movie. And I watched it this past weekend, and this is the movie I got. I love this. What do you think of this poster? I think it's a phenomenal poster, and I think what you're saying is totally correct. There's a real love affair that a lot of directors have, uh, a lot of the directors now, where they talk about the movies from the 70s. And it is really interesting. I've gone on record many times, and I know this breaks your heart when I say this, but the 80s, that's my least favorite decade for movies ever. It does break my heart. Um, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the good movies. I do not like the, the subpar movies, but there's a tone to 80s movies, by and large, that when they don't work for me, I find, like, off-putting. Yeah. And the 70s has the same consistency in terms of its tone. It's just that I don't find it off-putting, and I think it's because... The 1980s is when when the commercial appeal of filmmaking really went heavy studios. Like, studios yeah. had way more control. By the time you got to the mid-80s, by the time Top Gun hits in 86, yeah. everything that's coming out, it's way closer to what it is today than 1976. I mean, like, pre-Star Wars, pre yeah. like, just, just post-Jaws, like, the 70s is way more of a wild, wild west. And I think that the, ty- the types of movies that were getting made, uh, that were getting budgets, just a, it's just a different animal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 70s really started the big blockbuster craze. I mean, I can look to Newport, uh, I almost said Newport, New Hope, yeah, Superman 1978, Alien 79, uh, what else do we have? Jaws, of Jaws course. Jaws 75, yeah. Um, Rocky, you know, we look at some of these franchises that are still around. But then you get into the 80s, and I like what you were saying there, because it did become franchises now. 80s was... Movies that came out that have such a nostalgia for audience members like us, um, they're starting to remake these movies now or continuing them along. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've heard that there's going to be a new Gremlins or a new Goonies. <laughs> E.T. is untouchable. You can't you can't sequelize E.T. and you cannot remake E.T. But those are some of the movies that are out there. But then you think about when the 80s really took hold. 
what are the 80s in your mind? I think Indiana Jones and all the sequels. I think some of the Superman movies. I think some of the Jaws movies. I think the Star Wars movies. I think, uh, yeah, your ETs and your Goonies and whatnot. whatnot. But I also think Rocky Three. I think Rocky Four. I think uh, Red Dawn. I think some of these different movies that are coming out. And um, it is a different time. I think that there was a real love affair with the idea of sort of lighthearted adventure uh, mm-hmm. that the 80s was all about. And you have so many movies that are idolized from that era that are doing that. And while I think if you look at the best ones, I mean, I think Back to the Future is amazing. Oh, yeah, I think Back the Indiana to the Jones Future. movies are great. Yeah. I really think The Goonies is a great movie. But you start to look at the stuff that's more in the sort of middle category, and it's like, you have stuff like War Games and Short Circuit. And you have movies like uh, the Flight of the Navigator oh, and, and movies like The Navigator. Wizard and movies like they're just maybe those are the ones that have lived on. That there was a generation of kids that grew up watching those movies that have sort of immortalized them. But I just so many of those movies when I watched on the last Starfighter, oh. I just am like, I just how did this movie live on? Like, why do you people, why do you guys think this movie is important enough for me today to go back and watch? Well, the last Starfighter is because it's awesome, dude. <laughs> That's why. All right, Dekaika, let's go to the next poster. So I'm bringing up against superhero team-ups. I'm staying, I'm going within DC and Marvel, but uh, a much maligned movie for some audience members. Yeah. The marketing campaign for me, I loved this poster here. It told me everything I needed to know. I'm a big fan of both versions of Batman v Superman. Maybe it's because I'm a Superman guy, but I love that. I love that we're, we're, we're breaking down the heroes, and from what this tells me is that we're removing the face of what we know of the hero, yeah. and we're going to go deeper, and it's going to be gray. And he's playing, Zack Snyder plays with that gray. Yeah. We get that in his own gray cut of the Justice League. So teasing something to come, what do you think of these posters here? I think it's a ph- phenomenal. I think these are great. Like yeah. I, this, this is exactly this is exactly the type of poster that I think is more illustrative, and also marketing like this kind of marketing is most impactful for children. Yeah. Um, the stuff you're talking about, and and like our whole conversation about what do you remember, it is and should really be about what does a kid see and think of because like yeah. that excitement. That excitement to watch something, you know, is is totally different. But like before a certain age, yeah, you'll remember certain posters from growing up for the rest of your life. Certain oh movie god, trailers yes. growing up for oh, the rest yes. of your life. Oh my god, yes. It's, it's funny too. You mentioned uh, about remakes. Like, I just watched a movie that I'm sure you probably saw in theaters when it came out. Remember the Jackal? Yeah, I remember the yeah. Jackal. Uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah, and yeah. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Uh, and Sidney Poitier, which I didn't yeah. know, actually. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah that's it's right. streaming right now. And I just watched it for the first time. I remember it coming out. I okay. remember I was like, yeah, I was like nine or ten years old. Okay. Uh, I was like mid to late 90s. And uh, I'd never seen it. And I didn't even connect the fact that it was a remake. It's a remake of The Day of the Jackal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which is a big 70s movie. Right. But the thing is that even at that time in the 90s, you probably had a director who had the same love affair with 70s movies that we're talking about right now who decided that they wanted to remake The Day of the Jackal. But there was no, but there just there was no franchise. There was no IP. It wasn't done in such a way that the, right. the audience in the '90s was like, "This is important for me to watch." It just became a trashy thriller from the late '90s, which is exactly what I thought about it as. And even watching it the other night, that's exactly what it feels like. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is. Right? Like it's a diff. It's if there's just there's something about smart movie making and marketing yeah. that I think sometimes it's clear it's working, and then sometimes it's clear is just 
you just didn't have the best people doing this. This yeah. just missed the mark, and and it could have been better, and it could have been a you know there could have been a better remake. Yeah, look at the Total Recall reboot. I mean, mm. or Ben Hur. Yeah, some of these ones in the last few years. Point Break. Oh my God. Point Break. Good Lord. Yeah, watch. You know, pick the movie. You know, sometimes there's great remakes, sometimes not. Psycho. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like why are you making shot for shot remake of a movie that's a classic? Yeah, it's just a uh, I don't know. I don't get it. All right, next poster. This is a good one, but now we're getting we're staying with Snyder here. This to me, I love because it it the, the reason I pulled this one is a lot of reasons. One because of the um, the precedent set yeah. uh, being put on a streaming series, and you get a poster saying as much. But this is a callback to Death of Superman. This yeah, is the, right. The cover of uh, uh, of an issue of Superman where Superman is dead, and I like the juxtaposition in thinking the 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 Justice League was dead. But it came back and rose from the ashes, thanks to a lot of uh, you know fans and the campaign and whatnot, and um, not not the not the jerks that gave me death threats, but the ones that uh, that actually wanted to see this thing in support of Vision and Zack Snyder, the 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 rising of the ashes, and the, and I, I love that poster for this and gray, agree is gray. I like Zack Snyder's gray. I like him going in that world, and it was something that distinguished DC from Marvel. I was always on board ever since I saw Man of Steel. I was always on board. Even Batman v Superman. I walked in that movie hearing awful things and, and left that thing going, that movie was awesome. <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with people? It was Superman fought Batman. That was great. Yeah, but that was me. It's a, great, so. it's a great poster for the reasons you talked about, and I think the last piece of it that I think is so cool is that you have... You have the Justice League with the tattered flag, and it's like through all this thick and thin, his movie is it still survived. The flag is still intact. The flag still is still there. intact. Exactly. We're still going to get to see it. It still exists. It's the the mark that was planted. It's still it's there. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And why I do this, they don't make them like they used to. I love being able to infer so much of story, theme, behind the scenes drama, what have you, from a poster. And this is a good example of that. I think. All right, what's next, Akaika? I brought this one up because it's a Drew Struzan. Uh, it's Hellboy. Uh, it's a great. I know it's kind of floating heads ish, but the artwork is amazing. Yeah, it's the original Hellboy. It is Struzan. It came uh, on the scene, and I went, "What's this? I've never heard of Hellboy." But I saw this poster, and I went, "Give me this movie." It's a good looking poster. I do have to say, I, it feels it does feel pretty similar to the heads, the floating heads. Thing. It does. I mean, I mean, it the does. Art, the art's great. It's, it's there, and I know yeah. I'm walking that line. But the art is so cool looking that it does remind me of a little bit of Indiana Jones kind of thing. Well, it's an illustration too. Yeah, right? the it's illustration. Not, it's not just uh, photoshopped heads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, you, you, Gnome saying in the chat here, Struzan is God tier. Struzan is God tier. Thanks, that's, no, a, Sam. that's a very, very, very true statement. All right, what's next, Akaika? Uh, I pulled Avengers and I pulled Age cool. of Ultron because this one is cool. It's a throwback to the old Jack Kirby art. Yeah, really, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this one was very cool because they put such little emphasis on the actors. Marvel likes to put all their emphasis on the floating heads. They yeah. like to let you know that the Robert Downey Jr. is still in your movie. That he's still, whether it's Civil War or whether it's Avengers, Age of Ultron or what have you, he's usually front and center. Yeah. The biggest head. And then you'll have like maybe Thanos over him, you know, in your Infinity War posters, sure, sure, which I couldn't, sure. I couldn't pull Infinity, Infinity War or Endgame because they're both. And just I want they're heads. just floating heads, and I and I think the the design is cool looking. Some of their the imagery, some of the way that they're they're. I did this because like Robert Downey Jr. inexplicably in one of the Endgame or Infinity War is doing this. Yeah, 
and I don't know. And it's and it, <laughs> well, they have seven thousand heads they have to fit on those posters. That's you know? very true. Somebody's yeah. contract probably every, probably everybody's contract says something about it. Yeah, um, for sure. But this one is just it's teasing and it's like it's it's inviting to you. You get the iconography. You see Cap Shield. You see the the arc reactor in in Iron Man. You see. Uh, what is that? You see, like, the glasses of Bruce Banner. You see Hawkeye. You see Thor and his and Mjolnir. But it's all about Ultron. And what are they doing? Ultron is swallowing the Avengers. Yeah. So you know that they're... Uh, we, we, we're coming off Avengers 2013. We know that there's going to be trouble. And Avengers Age of Ultron, I think, is is really good because it does plant those seeds for Civil War later, which I do like. I'm not a fan of this movie, but I... Yeah. But I am a fan of Spader. Spader's pretty good. <laughs> I love his voice. Spader. He's great. It's pretty good. All right. What do we got next, Kaika? I pulled some Guardians of the Galaxy oh, and I pulled volume two. And I pulled this one in particular because it's so different. Because it tells you that we're getting our favorites back. Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Baby Groot, Rocket, Yondu. All our favorites, right? But they're showing us that we're getting that music back. We're getting that whimsy. We're getting Baby Groot now, who's, who's angry as, as all get out here. I just love the difference that we get from, say, a Marvel Avengers Age of Ultron one to this that's more lighthearted. It's more fun. It has the, the writing on the side. It feels so 80s perfect. Speaking of 80s, I love this poster. What do you think? I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's one of the coolest, most inventive posters. And obviously, that that probably can't be the main poster. I'm no, sure, no, I'm no. sure that some of the a, offshoots. I'm sure there was a poster that had a bunch of floating heads on it, probably. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there as was. far as a cool promotional poster goes, I mean, yeah, that's just, that's that's like awesome. That's like that's exactly the kind of stuff that I want to see. Exactly. All right, what's next, Akaika? I pulled Watchmen. Because I love Watchmen, and I just love this poster. It's not a bunch of floating heads again. It is justice is coming to all of us no matter what we do. It's a great tagline. You're a big Zack Snyder guy. You love Zack Snyder. I'm a Zack Snyder Half these posters are Snyder posters. I know. Well, half of Snyder's movies are team-ups. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I just wanted to keep in the line of the, like, a bunch of heroes coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether they're villains or heroes or whatever. So multiple, multiple superheroes. So, yeah, Snyder's played in that. And Watchmen, what do you think of Watchmen? I was, as a little kid, obsessed with comic books. I have 6,000 comics in my mom's basement. Yeah. It was like my whole life as a child. I worked at a comic book store. So Watchmen was like the Bible for, for comic book nerds oh, yeah. growing up. Yeah. Especially in, like when I was a kid, like 12 years old, you'd talk to other kids like, well, there is this comic book Watchmen, and they teach it in college classes. Like You try to like legitimize your comic book love. Sure, sure. So Watchmen's the, one of those, yeah. Yeah, so when the movie got made, it was in a time before comic books had really seized the mainstream in a way that they are now. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing even remarkable remotely uh, nerdy or controversial as a kid being into comics anymore. Like, there's no such thing anymore of comic books being like, like the biggest movies in the world are all comic book movies. So yeah. uh, now it's just, but at the time when this came out, I had a real, uh, you know, I had a real like attachment to it. This, this movie came out the year I moved to LA. It came out nice. uh, later, so later that year. I was like 20 when this came out. And uh, I, I was excited about it. I remember I watched it and it's like, it's shot for shot, a lot of it. You know, I was so familiar with the comic book that when I, when I did watch it, it was like, well, I know all of this. Like, I yeah. recognize all of it. And I think a lot of what it does right, it does really well. Did you yeah. ever watch the, the director's cut? Yeah, the director's cut is it's awesome. superior, right? It's awesome. Yeah, I watched yeah. it last year. It's and really I and I like, and I'm just, a, like you said, I am a fan of Snyder. Um, I, I like both versions. But, you know, if you had to, if I had to choose, it'd be Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut. Because yeah. I like Clark Kent doing a little bit more Clark Kenting. And I do love the um, the director's cut of this. So, yeah, it's a great one. Uh, Ikaika, what's next? 
So I pulled, uh, now we have X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah, this is cool great. One. This is a propaganda poster, which I love. I love it when they're doing something different. Again, no floating heads, but they're telling you a little bit about story. And this one, you have to really work for it. Like my mother, God bless her, will have no idea what this poster is. Does it really say brought to you by Stark Industries on the bottom? Trask. Yeah. Trask Industries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a little blind here. I right? love that. I love that. I know. Fighting the mutant threat. If my mom saw this, she would have no idea that Wol- uh, that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine would be shirtless 15 huh. minutes into that movie. No. She's looking at this going, nah, I don't like sci-fi movies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And that's what I love about this is that they're showing that there's a threat. They're showing that there are sentinels, that they might be something horrible, and that the mutant threat we know, the nerds will know, this is an X-Men movie. Trask, nice little Easter egg. I like it. Yeah, really you like cool this poster. one? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Good one. Great comic, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and also, when we, we finally got to Days of Future Past, I know we had a kind of an Easter egg with um, Last Stand and, yeah, uh, right, and, right, and Ratner's right. one where they were in the, in the what, what do you call that? The uh, What's the room they go in? The danger, danger room? room. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, but now we finally get Sentinels yeah. on the big screen. That's yep. what I love. All right, what's next? It's Ikaika? a good I think Delta it's, variant. It's poster. a good Delta variant. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I think... This is my favorite. Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorites. Um, I like this one because it did feel Struzan. Yeah. It did. It, it is, again, floating heads, but in an artistic manner that's not Photoshopped. It's showing a little bit. Thor is facing one of his biggest challenges. He's got a lot of people he's got to worry about. He's facing away from all of them. He's looking to the future. He's looking at Asgard here. He's wanting to protect Asgard. But we know what happens to Asgard in Thor Ragnarok, so there's some foreshadowing in this. And then we have, the, of course, the supporting characters here. I just love this poster, and I actually found this for the first time today when I was programming this. What do you think? Really cool poster. Yeah. I like that his head, he's the biggest. He's looking away, like you said. He's got, yeah. the, he's got the helmet we haven't seen him wear before, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, right front and center there, I mean, you have Kate Blanchett, so you like recognize her face, and yep. you're like, okay, that's cool. But front and center, you got Tessa Thompson, who at the time... She's not as well known. Correct. Like, who is this? Oh, who's this new character? You know, you see Loki, but he's not as big as Tessa Thompson, so she must be a big character, right? So you're thinking yeah. that. I'm curious about this movie. I, I, I think it's. I think the colors are great. Colors are great. Um, you don't get really like, a whole lot of sense of what the movie's about, but nope. I don't think you need it every time. No, nah, you don't need it. Uh, great poster. Wanted to pull that one. So the last poster, I have to do it. I'm a Superman guy, and I grabbed the original, <laughs> but the Superman 2, again, Team-ups, not necessarily team-ups, but more than one super-powered being is in this movie, and they are coming together in some way. I did see this mo- uh, this poster when I was little, and this poster lit my world on fire. I went, you have got to be effing kidding me, Mom and Dad. I, went, I looked at that poster, and I went, he's coming back? I freaked out, and I love that we have the villains coming at Superman. We have the iconic... New York skyline there. We have Superman 2. The adventure continues. All of that. Three outlaws from Krypton descend to Earth to confront the Man of Steel in a cosmic battle for world supremacy. That's everything for me. What do you think? 1980. Yeah. 81, I think, in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it had the dual release thing and it had the overseas release, had you heard from anyone? Like, was it like in the newspaper or like when it was released in the U.S., to you it was still totally brand new? I, I don't remember. Okay. I, I really don't remember. The one thing I do remember is at the end of this movie, yeah. in the credits, and this is a, one of my favorite movies with my dad, the very last credit says Superman will return. Ah. And my dad pointed and went, he's coming back, Mark. Yeah. And I went, <gasps> Little that I know is going to be Superman 3. Which is the worst of the original four? Four is the worst? Or three is the worst? I think four. 
Four is usually regarded as the worst. Four is usually regarded as the worst. Yeah. Three has its moments. Yeah. Um, Richard Pryor being a great yeah. addition, but just kind of doing his own thing. The four has a great moment in it when he's trying to do the double date, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not that yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, we did it. That is Riley's Cantina. That is Ben Bateman joining me live in studio for the first time in a very, very long time. Please go check out. At, it's uh, at Ben Bateman Media, right? You guys can find me everywhere, Ben Bateman Media. And yep. if you want to do me a favor, if you're watching this, a totally free way to support what I'm doing, I just rebranded my channel, Nerds and Suits. It's now 100%. Uh, based around my music. I'm still doing interviews and other stuff on there, but it's simple. It's just youtube.com slash Ben Bateman. It's available. Can you believe that? Yeah. I changed it two weeks ago. I, I was able to get the URL. That's awesome. YouTube.com slash Ben Bateman. Oh, so my I just, God. <laughs> so I just it's have not it. A, there's a, you don't have any other Ben Batemans out there. Nobody stole it beforehand. I that's couldn't believe a, it. That's amazing. So go subscribe. YouTube.com slash Ben Bateman. My first music video has been out for eight days, and it is probably a couple days away from being the most viewed video that channel has ever had, which is amazing. I could not believe it. That's amazing. You're you're having your fans not only in Schmodown and your movie knowledge and all the good things that you're doing, but they're following you for this, and rightly so, because this is some amazing stuff that you're doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Links are in the description to go follow Ben and uh, all of his escapades out there. Please go do that. And everybody here watching GPA right now, thank you so much for making the Good People Association a part of your day. Remember, go to the GPA.fun. That's right. It's fun. .fun. You can check out some of our memberships there, our, uh, our our merch store, the hats, the shirts, the mugs, all of that. Go check it out, the GPA.fun. And before you head on out of here, please hit that like button on this video. We're almost two. We are 24 away from a 100-like video, and that helps us so much. So before you go, do it now. Click now. Now. Do it. Hit Mind now. It. Do the like button now. Upvote. I love it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here. Remember, tomorrow, Josh McCuga will be back 9 a.m. Pacific on an all-new Positivity Report. Stay tuned. Go check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash goodpeoplegpa. We're going to be doing a live stream tomorrow. Ikaika, anything last words you want to say before we leave here, my friend? Nom nom. That's what I was hoping for, my friend. Thank you very much, Ikaika, as always. And for all of you joining here on Riley's Cantina and making this a part of your day, you mean the world for me. Thank you so much for all the donations, the Streamlabs, and Super Chats that come in. Stay tuned tomorrow. We have the Positive Report coming in on the Good People Association. I will see you next week on an all-new show, Riley's Cantina, next week. By the way, I forgot to mention this. Before you go, Ikaika, I totally am bad at this. Riley's Cantina is moving to 2 p.m. Pacific starting now. That's right. We are going live on 2 p.m. Pacific. We'll be tweeting some stuff out, but everybody watching at home, change your calendars, change your time right now. We're just going to do something different. Guests are easily more available there. Traffic is less there, and we have more people viewing at home. So next week, Riley's Cantina will be here, as always, on a Tuesday, but going live on its new time, 2 p.m. Pacific. Mark it there, dude. And that'll do it. Riley's Kennedy, and thanks, everybody. See you next week.